You are listening to the REI Mastermind Podcast. Join JD as he chats with industry-leading real estate experts and professionals. We learn from their experience and uncover the strategies to their success that we can implement into our own businesses and we can drive immediate results today. They share their experience and wisdom as we build the foundation to our own success. This is the REI Mastermind Network. We have George Salas on the line. George, I really appreciate your time. And uh, I'm going to direct people right off the bat to your, I, I, I really like these uh, oh, URLs and web pages because I'm thinking about setting one up myself. Actually, I have one for the for the podcast, but not personally. So if you go to georgesalis360.com, it's going to give you a list of all of his URLs to all of the places you're going to find George, kind of a quick and easy way to uh, connect with him on short-term rentals. And uh, he actually has on August 30th of this month, we're going to have five houses to freedom, a short-term uh, rentals a seminar that he's going to be put, putting on. So uh, check that out as well. Is there a unique URL for that, George? Uh, absolutely, Jack. It's uh, five, the number five houses, the number two, freedom. Five houses to freedom.com. Thank you. Yeah, I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes and we'll be sharing that information out as well. But uh, George, I, you know, we always start these interviews off with the, with the begin at the beginning. Like, how did you get into real estate investing? That's usually a, a good place to start. Sounds good. I'll break it down, man. Um, I'll be happy to share. I'll, I'll do like a three minute, three, four minute, like story uh, breakdown. And, uh, and I'm going to go back to where my journey really started, Jack. Okay. Um, so it started when I was six years old, right? I'm sitting in the living room with my parents and my parents bring me in, my brother and I, and, and then they, they say, George, you're going to go back to your, to, to your grandma's with mom. So I thought we were visiting grandma's, right? So we go and my parents get a divorce. Uh, we don't get to say bye to my father. So we're in this main city of Lima, Peru, where I'm from. And uh, my mom and, and dad are just getting a divorce, right? And I don't get to see my father for nine years. And he comes back into my life at the age of 15. I live in this small little town, you know, and in those nine years, um, you know, we were, we were very poor, you know, and, and, and I lived in an adobe house, you know, about uh, 2,000 square feet adobe house, maybe 1,500. But the walls were only 1,500, right? And, and, and it had rooms that were made out of adobe and then half of the house melted. So we were very, very important. So me and my brother and my mom, we stayed in one room and my grandma was in another room and then the other room was divided into a living room. It's very, you know, very, very, very uh, different than what we're used to here today. So then from there, um, I moved here, you know, and this is right in 2000. I was 15 years old. I didn't get to say bye to my father again because, you know, my, my mom and my father were just kind of going at it at the moment. And, you know, so things didn't work out. And then and, and that's when I was able to really, you know, see what I could do. I, you know, coming here to the United States was, you know, just one of the best things that ever happened to me. So from there, you know, until the age of 22, um, I, I actually got into, uh, into the nightlife, right? So I started real estate a few years after that. I did the nightlife for about eight, nine years. And then in that, um, in that realm, um, I was an event producer and event promoter. So I've done like 3,000 person events for many, many years, right? So here all over Houston. So uh, towards the end of, those, of that, um, that eight to 10 year journey, I, I, I invested into a nightclub. 
um, and I put about 400 grand, right? And then we built this brand new spot from the ground up and it was my dream. I thought I was on top of the world, right? And all of a sudden, a year and a half later, the partner I got into business with, you know, he ran the place to the ground. Um, and then, you know, I'm sitting here after that and I'm just like, what did I do wrong? And it's like, this guy, I was, I was angry, right? I was mad because I lost everything, you know, that I, that I ever saved for, for seven years. But then I realized that it was my fault because I didn't do enough research. I didn't, you know, understand what it, what it was to own real estate because we actually built the whole entire place in all lease, which was crazy, you know? So from then there's a day. A couple of days after the club gets shut down, so it's a $1.3 million nightclub, right? And I'm sitting there in, in my in the bathroom of my apartment at the time, and I'm crying. Yeah, you know, I'm sitting and, and I can't breathe because, you know, my nose is tucked up. I can't, you know, my eyes are all puffy. And, and then all of a sudden, I get a phone call from my good friend, Brent. And, and then he goes, George, I need you to come to my flip right now. You know, so I go there. He's at a flip. And then we sit there for three hours. This is a, a friend of mine here in Houston. And we have 10, 15 people there. And he's just grinding on us. Like, you know, you need to do this. You need to do that. This is the opportunity here. He's showing us. I'm recording the whole entire thing, right, in, 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 in my, my phone. When I get out of there, I have a, an inspiration. So many ahas. And then I just make a decision, right? I, I say, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to stay in this realm of negative negativity with my losses and cry over them over the next years i'm gonna get up harder than i fell and then go conquer something so i decided to enter real estate so over the next few months i truly dedicated myself to learning going to seminars buying courses reading books listening to books mostly you know audible and four months later i got my first flip right i started flipping and uh, i borrowed every penny for that flip and, and a few months later after that I got a second flip. And then the first flip closed, I made $46,000. And then I figured out what wholesaling was. You know, I had already like four or five flips happening. And this is all with me figuring out what real estate is, that I wanted to really truly build a business that would give you the freedom and calling my resources and connections from the past. I had no money. I had like a thousand bucks in my pocket. You know, I went back to promoting after my night, nightclub closed out. But when I was finding out about the deals and I was doing deals and, and I figured out what wholesaling was, I was all in, right? So I made $62,000 in my first month of wholesaling while I was having the flips. So I took some of that money, you know, put it into short-term rentals. By the end of that year, I had already flipped a few properties. That first year in between my short-term rentals and all my real estate, I, I brought in about 300 grand. 120 of that was in four months from my short-term rentals. Right. And the short-term rental game came about from wholesaling. Right. I was like, I don't want to wait forever on my cash because when you're just getting started, that's very tough. Right. You need cash flow to kind of keep things going. So I had already quit my job. Right. And I was flipping and wholesaling. And then I started doing the short-term rental thing. Right. I rented properties to rent. I didn't buy them yet. The, the flips that I was doing um, later on, I was able to refinance them. Right. So and that's how I got started. You know, from then till now, we're operating 50 plus short term rentals. We're going to do 1.7 to 1.8 million dollars by the end of this year. You know, and I've helped hundreds of real estate investors will achieve financial freedom through, you know, teaching them how to how to start a business in short term rentals. So 
So, yeah. And just to remind everybody, just leading into that, uh, again, it's five houses to freedom.com uh, for the seminar that's coming up at the end of the month. So, uh, I, I want to backtrack there just a second because of what you said. You know, you have, uh, it's obvious you have had a lot of experience with branding and marketing. How has that translated over to your real estate investing? Great question, Jack. So, when I first launched, I met a guy named Ray Perez. He's my mentor today, but back then he was a branding guy to me, right? And I went to the Houston uh, Expo. That's where I met him. This is 2018, maybe in October or November, right? This is just when I was getting started in real estate. And I made a decision. I was going to join his branding program because I was all about branding, right? When, it, when I did uh, you know, my entire marketing, um, you know, when I was a marketer for events, it was all about branding your event, marketing your event. So I knew I needed to identify myself as the real estate guy, as the short term, not, not the short term guy yet. So I took the leap of faith. And I worked with Ray and he helped me brand all across my platforms, right? And, and, and he made me look omnipresent. So I created lots of, you know, videos and, you know, just looked uniform, created a unique selling proposition, um, you know, a, a title for myself. So even though I was just getting started, I was branded from day one. And that attracted people. So when you brand it, Right. And then you portray an image of I can help this other person because branding is going to let your clients or possible client know how you can help them. Right. Mm -hmm. You just boom, it gets you instant credibility, instant trust, instant likeness. And people do business with people they know, like and trust. Right. So it's helped me tremendously to do more and more deals, more business. And today to get tons of hundreds of students, you know, so that's how it's helped me. Yeah. Well, great. Love it. So, Thanks, you know, man. let's, let's talk a little bit about the short-term rental game because uh, frankly, uh, I think it, it really, it seems to be dependent on, on your part of the world. You know, I'm, I, I don't think we didn't chat about this before getting on the call, but I'm, I'm up near uh, Fargo, North Dakota. And, uh, I'm going to say it's, it's pretty hard for me to do short-term rentals in my area. There's, there's, uh, there's not a lot of uh, attractions in my part of the world, unless you Mm. want to be frozen half to death. Um, (laughs) uh, Where did you decide to have your short-term rentals and what were your deciding factors? So my number one deciding factor was I was wholesaling. I needed cash to live on. I wanted to quit my job. So when I, I wholesale four or five, three, four properties in that one month, July, I quit my job, which was promoting someone else's club again, right? Went back mm-hmm. to it after, after we shut it down. Um, that was the main deciding factor. I need consistent and stable cash flow. So that's when I made a decision. I decided to do it in Houston via the rental arbitrage strategy, which is where you rent a property and then you sublease it or you rent it. So you rent oh. to rent and you post it and list it in these short-term rental platforms and these OTAs that um, allow you and bring you and market your properties, right? So that was a deciding factor. And the city is still Houston and all surrounding cities. And we have students all over, 
you know, the United States. So we don't necessarily have properties all over the United States, but that doesn't mean that we don't know how to, you know, analyze a property because tech tells you everything today in, in the short term in the world. Sure. Yes, sir. So, so do you do still do that today where you find a, a vacant apartment and essentially rent it and then turn it into a short-term rental? And are there any restrictions that people, you know, maybe there's some agreement in your, in your lease that doesn't pr- allow you to do that type of thing? Yeah, we do a lot of that, but we don't do any apartments, Jack. We do all single family residential, right? Okay. All houses. And um, we had 35 apartments and we got rid of 90% of them. And the reason why is because apartments are, you know, can bring you a decent amount of cash, cool, for the same amount of work and just a little bit more investment on the leasing part, right? we can make five to 10 more times the cash flow, right? So an apartment can bring you 500 to a thousand bucks a door. Cool, that's on average, it could be a little more, it could be a little bit less. A house could bring you three to $5,000 a door, right? Mm-hmm. Which is five to 10 times. So we decided to make the changes and it's worked ever since then. Uh, before the pandemic, our numbers were about $60,000 a month. We just hit 175,000, right? So sure. over a year period, we tripled the income you know, and then we tripled our profits. Yeah. Right. So we even more than tripled it because our income now we're paying same amount of rent or we're buying, right. We do both. We both strategies, we purchase and, and we also our rent majority of portfolio is going to be rental, but we also have a bunch that we bought. Um, and then we just look at it. Hey, are we going to make five X our rent or our mortgage? And then when you buy, when you do houses, you can five exit, right. Okay. But when you do apartments, you know, you can, because of the price per square foot of an apartment, you know, it's going to be always higher, you know, uh, and then the ability to not put at any more value and many other reasons, houses are just more profitable, right? And even though they're, you know, they're bigger, they're the same amount of work. The only thing that differs is just, you're going to have maintenance and you're going to have less maintenance just because of the real estate, right? It's, it's bigger, but the amount of interaction, you have more clients at an apartment, right? Way more. It's kind of like running a hotel, a bunch of apartments. Mm-hmm. I used to I used to run a bunch of apartments and then I had people in there. But if an apartment brings me 500 to a thousand bucks a month net and I'm managing, right? I have 20 of them, you know, that's, you know, five to 10 grand. Cool. Right. But if an apartment, you know, actually that would be 10 to 20 grand. So, but if an apartment, if a house brings me the same house, right? I move those 20 apartments and I get five houses, you know, each house brings me eight to $10,000, right? So you do the math, right? You have eight to eight to 10,000 times five, that's 50 grand. And then, and you have, you know, maybe 1500 or whatever, you know, for an apartment, you know, maybe $2,000. So you're going to have way more. And then your rents are way less, your mortgage is way less. So your profit margins are going to be much higher just because your multiplier, you know, your expenses are way less in houses if you do the deal right. Right. No, I think, I think we're, I might've miscommunicated my question there because what I, what I took it as is that you are actually renting an apartment unit furnishing it and then turning it into a short-term rental. Yeah, that's what we did. That's what we did at the beginning. Today, we're not. We're renting houses and we're buying houses, right? It's it's tougher to buy an apartment complex and do short-term rentals 
at least from my point of view. Yeah, no, and I wasn't even talking about buying the apartment complex. I'm just talking about finding a vacant apartment, renting that vacant apartment from somebody, and then and then uh, doing this Airbnb thing. Yeah, we did that a bunch. Oh, okay. That's kind of a clever way to handle it, especially if you don't have a lot of money up front. You know, you could you could possibly target an area, uh, find a landlord that would be agreeable for you to do that type of thing. And then essentially just rent the apartment instead of it kind of reduces the outlay of cash that you might need to get into this. Absolutely. You can do that. And as a starter, it's a great way to get started to launch. I definitely recommend it. You know, and if you have a little bit more cash, just do it with a house because it'll bring you some more profits. But if you're just getting launched, getting started, you need some cash flow, want to get your feet wet. Yeah, a part apartment is great. It's easier to rent than a house, you know, and there are more of them. Sure. So when you're in an area, then when you focus on on a specific area or, or city, are there certain attractions that you try to stay towards, like uh, or or have your rentals near? Like what? How do you, how do people decide wh- where in their community they would be best served having an Airbnb? So um, the way that Airbnb provides, you know, works with a guest or a potential guest, you know, providing them with the choices, the algorithm of Airbnb gives people choices based on not their location mostly, you know, unless there are a bunch of properties there, but mostly based on the type of property. So now if you're renting an apartment, there's so many of them, right? But if you're renting a house, Airbnb will give you the choice of the house. So when we make a decision, it's more based on the property and and following the pillars that we're going to put into that project that I teach rather than, hey, let me just be next to downtown because now the reason for that is because that we do in-city medium luxury houses. We're not on the vacation rental outside on the beach, right? Not not saying that we're not going to be in, in, in one day near. I love that strategy. We're not doing mountain, you know, um, we're doing in your city and surrounding cities, right? Mm-hmm. So now if you go to like, for example, here in Texas, you have you have Houston and you have Tomball, you have Cypress, and then you have Conroe, the little small cities around. So we do Houston and we do all cities around. But then an hour later, you have Galveston, which is an island, right? Which people go on vacationing. That property, uh, you know, that project would be based on location because we want to be right on the beach to make the most money. When it comes to in-city projects, we base it more on doing our market research to find the most profitable properties and taking advantage of those profitable properties by making them the most beautiful and most best performing houses within that niche. You understand? Sure. Yep. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, here, here's another question, and this is probably best served for you since you have a lot of marketing and, and building that brand experience. I've heard that, you know, on, on these platforms such as Airbnb, it's, it, there's a lot of choices. And especially if you're brand new, how do you typically get started on that platform and start to get the reputation and the reviews? Um, well, first of all, it's all about your property, right? So the first point, if you just go get a regular house, 
or a regular apartment, you're going to be a regular listing. So we focus on creating unique properties, unique listings, so we can give unique experiences. If we create a unique listing it, it, that has a unique selling proposition in a target audience, so a, a, a target guest that we've defined prior to launching, then it will get those guests in, will attract the right clientele, aka, right? And then we will get better reviews, right? So we start mm-hmm. with the end in mind, creating a unique property and then delivering that unique property to a small group of guests that will be, you know, could be like working traveler, right? So, or it could be families, um, or it could be, you know, wedding people, it could be, you know, couples or something, right? That, that travel or whatever. But we create the property based on the guest, based on the, uh, the avatar. And then that gives us better results. So we're essentially going niche, right? More niche. Sure. So can you give an example of, of some of those amenities and how you've made these uh, an experience? Give us, give us an example of one of your better pr- producing properties and how you've I established its niche. Absolutely. So we have a property in uh, the north of Houston, right? It has a pool and then we serve families, right? So that's a pool. Um, so what we did is we we put in, you know, baby cribs and um, all these family stuff, right? Baby, uh, baby cribs and, and changing stations. Um, and then you put a bunch of seating, high chairs. So now you're catering to that, right? And, and then now... When people look for this, we title it that way. Our photos look that way. Our marketing looks that way. And then now we're in a niche that provides uh, an environment of, of, of fun, but also family where you have plenty of seating, right? And then you also have the amenities for the family. And you can use these things for, you know, to take care of your family. So now it's a smaller niche, the niche we love, right? So those are some amenities. And, and now when people book, they're going to pay a higher price because mm-hmm. you're niche, Right. So and if you have a regular house, the same house, if you remove, you know, some of the kitchen appliances and all the baby stuff, you know, and then let's say you just have a pool and you don't put any furniture out there or seating and you, you know, you won't get the number. You won't get that price. So but how your property performs, Jack, is not just based on the property or the location. You know, it, it's kind of a combination of five or six, you know, very specific things, right? Very specific points and elements. And when you combine them, they all work together. They kind of support. And I call them the five pillars of short-term mental success, right? So if you have them all nailed down and they all, they would just work along with each other, right? So let me just give you an example of what I mean. Mm-hmm. If, if you have a house, and the house caters to families, right? And then you have all these amenities, but your pictures don't show it, right? And there are pictures you're marketing and your title doesn't say it. It doesn't matter that you have them because no one's going to see them, right? If you have a, uh, a property that, you know, um, uh, that has all that and you do have them on your photos, but then when the customer, the client arrives to the property and they're going to be like, wait, the picture's here, but it's not at the house. It's, it's, by, it's the reverse, right? Mm-hmm. Then they're going to give you a terrible review. So it's not going to perform well, right? So they all work with each other, 
your interior design and all that. So we've kind of, we got the formula down. Sure. What are a couple of those other uh, pillars of success when it comes to short-term rentals? Sure thing. I'll I'll be happy. You opened a can of worms there now. That's okay. No, I, I love talking about them because they're truly the five major, you know, major keys to winning in this business. And people think of the smaller, everything else is the smaller tactics, right? And sometimes if strategy kills tactics, right? And what kills the strategy, right? What kills the strategy? What Tyson's, say that again. (laughs) I said strategy kills tactics. What kills the strategy? Culture. My mentor always says that. Culture kills strategy all day long. You know, so um, I completely out of, you know, you're telling me earlier, like, hey, I'm going to get out of subject. I just I just thought about that. And I just got out of I got yeah. out of the subject. <laughs> yeah. No, every time I hear something like that, I think of Tyson's quote, you know, everybody has a plan until they get hit in the face. Right. Exactly. Yep. That's what it is. So anyway, um, I, will, I will tell you the five pillars. Right. Pillar number one is understanding your market. The supply versus demand, what are the most profitable locations and properties? Sometimes it's just pockets, right? And how to find those properties, right? Then the pillar number two is the property itself, the property and the structural amenities, right? What is the property coming with? Is it nice or renovated? Does it have a pool, hot tub, and you know, these nice things, right? Then pillar number three is your interior design. And and then your amenities, right? Not structural amenities, and more your interior design, right? And you know, what does it look like? What are the colors looking like? Hey, does it is it nice? Is it vibrant? Is it inviting? Does it have plenty of seating? How many people are you sleeping, right? With your amenities? How many people, how many beds do you have? What kind of seating are you uh, are you providing? You know, pillar number four is is your marketing and within your marketing, you have your listing strategy, your booking strategy, and your pricing strategy. If you don't market your property correctly by creating a unique listing and all that's backed by everything else you did prior, if you don't have the right pricing, it doesn't matter if you have a beautiful listing, you're not gonna make the money you're looking for. And if you don't have the right booking strategy, a booking strategy would be where am I listing these properties and what is my available a night, you know, night strategy. How many nights am I going to list these for to get the revenue I want, mm-hmm. right? And then pillar number five is your guest experience. We're, this is a review-based business, so we're in the hospitality. In today's world, everyone's looking at reviews, right? So, but reviews come and they get better based on the four other pillars. So if your other ones are not working, then your reviews are never going to go up, right? Your guest experience is never going to go up. And that's part of your operations. So if you don't set up the property correctly by doing the proper market research, by getting the right property, by setting up the interior design and bright amenities, and by setting up your marketing correctly, you're not going to have good reviews. Or if you do, you're not going to make any money because you're giving it away, right? Does that uh, kind of... Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a great uh, breakdown of of what you need to do. But uh, you know, since we're all real estate investors, one of the things that does come to mind though is, have you f- found that uh, some of those amenities that are like the best bang for the buck that um, some people might even overlook? Um, bets, bets plus bets equals heads and 
medicine heads equals money. That's probably one of the biggest ones that most people miss, you know, um, and then um, kitchen appliances, not the major appliances, just your small appliances. Um, I used to just want to save a bunch of money, you know, in, in my first houses. So I would put, you know, little blenders, little, like now we fully load a kitchen. What happens when you fully load a kitchen? We're catering to families. What does a family do? They want to cook, right? So if we don't provide a fully loaded kitchen and they don't see it in the pictures and it's not listed, then they're not going to go book your property and then it's going to stay open and someone else is going to book it. They're not going to pay. A family's looking for uh, tons of kitchen amenities, places for their kids to sleep in, comfort, space, a washer and dryer, you know, everything, right? And, and people nowadays, they, they have the ability to pay. So people are paying us 800 to $1,000 a night on some of these properties. So, mm. yeah, man. So you, you, you talked, you briefly chatted about the, the return that you're experiencing with some of these rentals. And I know that there's going to be some days you're not going to be booked, you know, for, or fill, fill those, uh, those nights. How do they typically compare? Like, can you give me an example of uh, this house in this area would have typically, if I held it as a rental, it would, would draw this much. And as an Airbnb, share your return on that. Um, absolutely. So let me give you an example of a normal, regular house, uh, me, just a, uh, a mediocre house, a normal, just a good performer and a superb, right? So when, let's just say you launch an Airbnb, you know nothing about it. You just kind of, you know, put it together and you're like, I just want to put it out there and see what happens, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to launch a, you know, I would say mediocre Airbnb because you don't know anything about it. You don't have to experience, right? You don't, you're not going to go over these pillars and be like, okay, checklist, 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 right? So you're going to do, you know, maybe $2,000, uh, $3,000 in revenue, right? Which gives you a 1,500 square foot house. If if you launch this house and in, 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 if I launch this house, the same regular house, right? There's nothing special about this house. Then maybe I get $5,000, Okay. Now that's a regular house, so three thirty five hundred, you know, and then five thousand. If you go, this, I'm just talking about a thirteen to fifteen hundred square foot home in a neighborhood, nothing special, you know, maybe three bedrooms, right? If you go four or five bedrooms, right, and it's nice, just renovated, right, and um, it has a really nice kitchen, it has a nice backyard, covered patio, right, then you launch it, and and then your rental comps are 2500 okay mm-hmm. your net margins cash flow every month is like 500 bucks if you put it on airbnb not knowing anything about it not taking not following any guidelines i think you can make 5000 right maybe 4 to 5000 on that really nice 2500 square foot home that has all these amenities your cash flow there would be like 2000 right cuz you got to pay your mortgage and you got to pay cleaning and utilities Right, mm-hmm. fifteen hundred to two thousand. If I go launch that same property and I apply everything, I'm, you know, I would teach you, right? Then we would do eight to ten thousand. So now my margins are now, you know, five six thousand. Okay. Now if we pay our own management company, maybe forty five hundred. Okay. So now the difference between you and I is that you launched the house, 
you didn't price it correctly. You didn't have the proper photos, right? Maybe you didn't portray or showcase what you needed to showcase and people weren't booking it for the high, right? You didn't, uh, you didn't do the right booking strategy, right? You didn't put the right amenities, the right number of bets. So you're, all these little things affect the outcome. But when I do it, because we've already done it so many times, we know it's kind of, you know, uh, it's all a, a repetition for us, right? We're just kind of improving our process every single day. So now let's talk about a superb high-end home, right? If you launch a high-end home, let's just say your mortgage is 3,500 bucks, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, or both of our mortgages. If you launch a high-end home that has pools super nice, you don't know nothing about it, you, but the pool, the property already comes extremely nice and you don't put as many amenities. That alone is going to give you a little bit of a surge, right? So you have a surge because you have all the amenities so brand new. People like cool on Airbnb, right? Short-term rentals. So the cooler, the better, right? So let's just say you make eight to $10,000, but I can go to the same property and you'll be happy with that, right? Because your cash flow will be four to 5,000. I could go and take this property and make 17 to 19, $20,000, right? Because I'm applying all the other principles, right? That I just keep repeating. So that's the difference between someone, between the types of properties at three different levels, right? A mm-hmm. mediocre 12 to 1300 square foot, a nice regular 2,500 foot home, uh, foot house, you know, and then a super nice 3,000 square foot home with all the amenities and fully loaded, but maybe not all the small, small stuff that I'm telling you, but just the property itself is nice, right? So those structural amenities already come and give you that search to where if you're launching this small little property, you don't get the search because there, there's no attraction, right? And then the difference is I'm applying the principles and I'm just going through a checklist and then you don't know and you might be missing a few things. So your revenue is going to be less. So that's the difference when it comes to, you know, performance of a listing between someone that has done it a bunch of times, someone that doesn't. Now, can you get it to 15 and 20? Yeah, by tweaking and by testing by adding things or removing things, just like mm-hmm. any other business. Right. No, yeah. One of the things that I've, I've experienced or I've seen is that a lot of, uh, when it comes to Airbnb, some of this the margins kind of get chewed up with any kind of turnover. But based on what you're talking about, if you can achieve these type of margins, you're probably not having that, that issue. I had your issue, issue that you're mentioning when I was doing the apartments, Right. Because oh, okay. your expenses, when I was starting to hire people, my expenses started accumulating. So I started making way less profit. But today I have 25, maybe 27 employees, but our houses are bringing in way more. So the margins are bigger and our expenses are still here. So it, and then the whole entire strategy uh, walks around or, or, you know, just is basically focused on figuring out how to create a short-term rental listing that produces five times your mortgage or rent, right? And then you do it by exactly what I just kind of described, right? Your strategies, your pillars, tweaking things over time. You could you could really essentially get a property to perform five times your mortgage or rent like that no matter of 30 to 60 days, right? By tweaking things. So does that make sense? Yep, it does. So no, uh, just to remind everybody, if you want to connect with George, uh, head over to georgesalis360.com. 
It's going to be where you'll find all his shareable links and, and you can connect to him in a bunch of different ways. Um, and if you want to learn more about short-term rentals, um, head over to five houses to freedom, uh, com and, uh, register for his upcoming seminar. Um, so, but before I let you go, George, I, I have uh, one last question for you. Yeah. Absolutely. Is there, is there a question you wished I would have asked you here today? Um, oh, wow. I, um, no one has ever asked me that question. Um, you know, um, sometimes people ask me, you know, um, what was that one tipping point? And I always ask the tipping point to, you know, anyone that I meet that's successful, right, that I build a relationship with. What was your tipping point? So if you asked me that question, I, I would have said that the tipping point was figuring out what I needed to do between, you know, when COVID hit, when I had 35 apartments and, and then really dig it into my entire business model, seeing sure. that when you, when you go with apartments or when you go with the small margins and just scared, cause that's what I did. I was starting and I was scared. I was just like, let me just try apartments, you know, and then have a lot of money either, but that's the tipping point. So, so how did how did you manage through COVID and, and, and those things? Uh, COVID hit us hard um, for the first two months. And then it hit us hard because we had all these apartments. And that's how I switched my model, right? Okay. So from COVID, we were doing 60 grand a month with like 35 properties. That's less than 2,000 at the door, which is pretty good in, your, in an investor's eyes. But with when you have four people working on your team and you have to pay cleaners and you have an office, <laughs> all those little small margins there, you know, becomes zero profit. So we lost quite a bit of money during COVID uh, for the first two months. And then we evened out. And then that's when I, I mean, as soon as COVID hit, I started doing lots of research to figure out what was the problem. And I realized that just my business model was wrong. I only had five houses and those houses were winning, but my apartments were losing, right? And they've, they've, and I didn't realize that I just needed to make that change. So we've been making that change ever since. We're launching six houses this month. So we're, you know, improving every single day, Jack. So. No, that, I appreciate that. And that, that's uh, really timely. So it's good to hear. Um, Thank you, brother. So again, I really appreciate your time. You're always welcome back. And, and uh, this has been a great conversation. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate you. This has been the REI Mastermind Network. You can already tell that we've made some changes and a few more are on the way. If you are interested in what we have planned, head over to patreon.com slash REI Mastermind and support the show today. Financial contributions are always appreciated, along with a like, share, and review. It really helps us grow and reach more people with this valuable information. See you next time, and tell a friend.